like to ask if you would to go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. We've been taking a look in our study so far in the book of Revelation at the seven churches that John writes to. The last church we left off with is the church at Philadelphia. The church that probably had a lot of brotherly love, but the environment in which the church existed in the city of Philadelphia wasn't so brotherly. They were oppressed, they were persecuted by a synagogue that that is there, a synagogue of Jews that God refers to as a synagogue of Satan. The city of Philadelphia was known as the gateway to the east. It was a prominent city placed in a very important location militarily wise, but as far as being a businessman, it was a great place to be because a lot of the trade routes that went on east of the city began or at least passed through the city of Philadelphia. So if you were a businessman and you produced wool and wine, which the city was known for, it was a great place to be. Kind of like trucking services today, you want to be in a hub city where you can launch out in various, in various directions to sell your wares, to make a profit. And that was the city of Philadelphia. The church that existed there was under oppression not only from and would be from the Roman Empire, but also from the Jews there that refused to claim Jesus as the son of the living God who were still waiting for God's promise of a Messiah to come. And so in the book of Ephesians, I mean book of Revelation chapter 3 and beginning in verse 7, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens no one can shut and what he shuts no one can open. Now we've talked about these terms that are used here in the book of Revelation in contrast to that synagogue of Satan known as the Jews that were there. Jesus is holy. They claim to be holy, but we're not. Jesus claimed to be true. In other words, he was the reality of all of the Old Testament and what it shadowed or foreshadowed was to come. That all of that was wrapped up ultimately in Christ. And since everything that was in the Old Testament that pointed to the Messiah to come and the Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah, then they rejected the truth. They rejected the reality of all of the shadows, all of the sacrifices, all of the festivals, Everything that was written in the Old Testament and the Psalms and the law and the prophets, Jesus said, concerning me has been fulfilled, Luke chapter 24. That's what Jesus said. They pointed at Jesus and said, 
you are trying to destroy our nation. You are trying to destroy the law of Moses. And Jesus just told him, no, I'm not. I'm not here to abolish the law. I'm here to fulfill it. To finish that covenant that God gave to the Jews so that he could establish a new covenant, a new testament, which he has done. Read the book of Hebrews when you get a chance because that's what the book of Hebrews tells us. That Jesus is the author of a new covenant. And he became the author of a new covenant by fulfilling the old covenant that God provided to a special nation of people. And then it tells us that he has the what? The key of David. You see, the Jews today still wait for that key, that authority to be passed on to the Messiah. They still wait for it today. I have many Christians who believe that Jesus has not gotten that key yet. That he doesn't hold the authority of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And yet we've already seen in chapters 1 and chapter 2 of the book of Revelation that the kingdom's been established and now we are told here in Revelation chapter 3 that he holds the key. It didn't say that he was about to receive it or that he was going to receive it somewhere down the road. No, -uh. Jesus says, I hold the key of David. The authority, the power of the one who would sit upon the throne of David, Jesus says, I have got that authority. And we talked about that Wednesday night just a little bit. Now, I want you to notice what he says. He says, uh, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Now, as far as a Jew was concerned, they were the ones that had the authority of inclusion and exclusion. If you wanted to become justified before God, then if you're a Gentile, then you have to be circumcised. You have to throw away and cast off your idols. And you have to wash. And you have to come under the law of Moses to be justified. You have to be circumcised. And you notice what he says. Jesus says, those Jews have no power or authority of exclusion or inclusion. Jesus says, I am the one that opens doors and shuts doors. I am the one that has the power and the right of inclusion and exclusion. No wonder Jesus will say during his ministry in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that anybody has a right to be in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the Son. Anybody has that right. It doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. Everyone has a right. Now, you have to come to God on His terms, but once you meet those terms, it doesn't matter who you are what kind of background you, you, you come from, what color skin you have, what kind of economic status you may have. It doesn't make any difference. Anybody has a right to God. Now, he tells us here, he says, I'm the one. He says, I have placed you as an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. And I believe that's because of their size, not because of their faith or lack 
of faith, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Now this is interesting because the Bible tells us, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah, that a promise made to the Jews who were going to be going through punishment, the punishment of God, by a foreign military power known as the Babylonians, he tells them that after the punishment is over, they will come down and bow at your feet. During the age of the Messiah, they will bow down at your feet, those that were faithful followers of God. They will come down and bow at your feet. And I find that interesting because he plays on that by telling these Christians here in the silly city of Philadelphia who are being oppressed by the Jews who say that Jesus was slanderous. He was not the king of the Jews. He was not the son of God. We're still waiting for the Messiah. And Jesus just say, listen, those folks that claim that, those Jews who are liars and are not really Jews, he said, they are going to bow at your feet. Isn't that interesting? how he plays on that. And he uses that term and those, that phrase to let them know what glory that they're going to experience. Now why would he say that of the race of Jews who have a synagogue that's, that's there that worship the monotheistic, monotheistic God known as Jehovah or Yahweh, why would he say they claim to be Jews but they are not? They are liars. Now, again, we're talking about race. They are of the race of the Jews. No doubt about it. But he says, God says, they are not Jews. Well, wait a second. They either are or aren't. Are they Jews or not? Yes, they are Jews. But just because they were Jewish, they were not true Jews. Why? Because they had not accepted the Son of God as the Messiah that God would send. Only the true Jews are those that accept Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. I have mentioned this before and I'll mention it again. When you get a chance, read the book of Romans 9, 10, and 11. In the book of Romans, Paul points out that just because a Jew or a person was born in the Jewish race or they had a background of being Jewish does not give them any rights or privileges above those that aren't. As a matter of fact, in the book of Romans, Paul points out that if you're a Jew, you're lost. If you're a Gentile, you're lost. Both Jew and Gentile need who? Jesus both Jew and Gentile. As a matter of fact, he points at the Jews and says, look, Jews, look at, look at all the privileges that you have. Look at all the privileges and rights that you had. And yet you rejected my son out of hand. You are the ones that were supposed to put the standard of morality in the environment and culture in which you live. And yet you're violating your own moral standards. 
He says, you are sinners just like the Gentiles are. And don't think for one moment that because you can claim circumcision, that that gives you a right and that you're in a covenant relationship with God. There is only one circumcision that matters, and that's the circumcision of the heart. That's all that matters. And that circumcision takes place in the watery grave of baptism according to Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, where God performs circumcision on any person who wants to respond to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And he cuts away that old man of sin, and they come out of that watery grave of baptism to walk in a what kind of life? New life. New life. Now, Notice what he says. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come, fall down at your feet, and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is coming to, uh, coming, going to come upon the whole world. Now, when he says whole world, what world is he talking about? Oh, he's talking about the whole world. No. He's not talking about any place else other than what they construed as being the world. What was the world at that time? The Roman Empire world. That was the world. So he says, he says, uh, to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Have we not seen that phrase a few times? Chapter 1, chapter 22, he's mentioned it already in the chapter previous to this one. He's coming soon. Hold on to what you have. Who is he telling to hold on to what they have? Me? Or is he telling the church at Philadelphia? He's telling the church there at Philadelphia, hold on to what you have because this test is coming. This test is coming, and I'm coming soon to bring about this test. So hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. What crown? Well, two crowns mentioned in the book of Revelation, the diadem and the stephanos. The diadem crown is the ruling crown. The stephanos crown is the crown that a victorious runner would athlete would receive or a victorious general would receive. It was a demonstration that victory has been achieved. And so he says, whatever you do, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God in the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God. I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, what is this idea of being a pillar in the temple of God? I wonder why he uses that term, pillar in the temple of God. Well, if you walk the streets in the city of Philadelphia, guess, where you're, guess what you're going to see a lot of? Temples. But you're going to notice that in the city of Philadelphia that a lot of those temples have got cracks in the pillars. Why? 
Because when the city of Philadelphia was built, it was built on a fault. And there was a volcano nearby, and so they suffered a lot of earthquakes. But he said, you Christians, if you hang in there and hold fast, even though a terrible test is coming upon you, and I'm coming quickly to bring it, guess what you're going to be? You're not going to be like those pillars that you physically see that have been torn down or have been destroyed by earthquakes or some of them have got cracks in them. No, 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 no. You are going to continue to stand as a pillar. And let me, let me tell you, folks, when the smoke cleared after the persecution and God brought down the beast that we're going to talk about in Revelation 13, when the beast is brought down, And the smoke clears. Who stands? The church. The church. That's who stands. We are the pillars. And no matter what opposition, no matter what persecution these Christians were going to face, when the smoke cleared, the church was still going to stand and the beast was going to be gone. And that's what he's trying to tell them. They would be pillars in the temple of God. Would they be shaken? Yeah. Would they suffer? You bet. But would they be destroyed? No. Now, would some of them die? Yeah. Some of them are going to die. But what is death to a faithful child of God? Victory. Yeah, it's victory. Yeah. It's over for me here. I get to go home. No wonder Paul will say in Philippians chapter 1, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now the world says, for to me to live is living for myself and to die is losing everything, not for a child of God. That's the hope that we have. That dying in this life is not the end. It's just the start of the greatest adventure in life that we could ever experience. Now, I want you to notice what he says in 1 Peter chapter, what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. As he talks about Christians, 1 Peter chapter 2, in regards to this idea how that we are pillars and how that these Christians were pillars in the temple or household of God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, notice what Peter says. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built up or being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay in a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. This is, this is pointed strictly at the Jews. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what, also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people. 
You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And this is the promise that Jesus makes to the Christians in the city of Philadelphia. If they'll just hang in there, go through the test and overcome, this is what they're going to be given. Now you'll notice that they're given a threefold name. He says, they'll have the name of my God, they'll have the name of the city, and they'll have a new name. Which speaks of three things, relationship, position, and endorsement. It speaks of relationship, position, and endorsement. The name of my God. That, God, that, that they would have the name of God on them. What is the name? What name is it that I have that's the name of God? Christian? Name of the city? What's the name of the city? church. Now it's called a bride, remember? Revelation 21, the bride of Christ. That new Jerusalem that came out of heaven was called the bride of Christ. That always refers to the church. Always refers to the church. And that's what he describes here. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world and test it. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And isn't it interesting, the book of Acts chapter 11, verse 26, up until the book of Acts, those that were followers of Jesus, called people of the way, were just called disciples. They're disciples of Christ. But in the book of Acts chapter 11, verse 26, something changes because in the city of Antioch, those that had been called disciples of Christ are now called Christians, Christians. That's what they were called. First at Antioch. All right. Now let's go to, if you would, to the city of Laodicea. I find it interesting that anytime I hear any of the seven churches preached on by preachers, it's normally this church here, <laughs> Laodicea. Now what we're going to find out about the church at Laodicea is that God has nothing good to say about them. Nothing good. I mean, other churches that had some problems, he would say, I know your deeds, I know your perseverance, you don't tolerate heresies, you don't tolerate the Nicolaitans, you don't tolerate this heresy known as the Balaamites, or that you've got good deeds and things of this nature, some positive things. But when it came to the church Laodicea, notice what he says. 
Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. To the church, angel of the church at Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot or cold or hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth, and I don't have a need of anything. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and, and, uh, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here am I, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and, and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now this, these words that are written about the church at Laodicea, a lot of it plays on the culture and the business that was incorporated in the city of Laodicea. Now when you think about the city and its location, you'll notice Laodicea and where it's located. There are basically three towns that were very closely related. Laodicea, Heropolis, and Colossae. All right? Laodicea was, a, was an affluent, wealthy community. I mean, riches beyond your wildest imagination. If you wanted to retire, Laodicea would be the place to go because they had there these hot baths that you could go to. As a matter of fact, I may have a picture of them. But here is Heropolis, you see there, and Laodicea in the foreground. Here are some of those hot baths that are located around the city of Laodicea. This is where people would go and they would go to retire here. And they would go here to, to set in these hot baths that they believed had healing powers, as it were. I don't know about you, but when my muscles are tired and sore, I like jumping into the shower and turning that thing down. I mean, we've got steam coming out of that bathroom. Water's going down the walls because it's so hot. But man, it makes my muscles feel so good. I come out of there just kind of revived. Don't you? Doesn't that happen? Do you ever do that? I know some people who after a workout will go sit in a box that's, that's turned, the temperature is turned up. Some of you do that, huh? Yeah, turned up and you come out and you're just sweating to beat the band. But man, you feel so relaxed and your muscles are not sore anymore. That was the city of Philadelphia. On the other hand, if you were thirsty, if you were thirsty, they had cool pools of fresh water that you could drink from there in the city of Laodicea. And this is one of those pools that were there. Some of the... Uh, uh, they also had black wool. Wool was one of the prominent, most expensive wool uh, uh, pieces of material that you could purchase during this period of time. And so they had this black wool that they would, that they would be ma making a lot of money off of in the city of Laodicea. Here is 
just a map of, of the city of Laodicea that's been discovered, that's been excavated by archaeologists. Here is the city laid out, and here are some of the remains of this fabulous, wealthy, affluent community. I mean, these streets are amazing. I mean, they don't look like maybe Dallas or something like that, but back then, this was something very, very special to have in the city. Here's an amphitheater that we've seen in other cities. Here's a temple that was there. Here, again, here's another look at the, uh, some of the streets that were built in the city of Laodicea. Here is a... Now, this may be a synagogue or it may have been a church that has a baptistry in it. I mean, this is the uh, aqueduct that brought in fresh water into the city of Laodicea. I mean, this city was so wealthy that when an earthquake caused its destruction, they refused money from the Roman Empire to rebuild it. They did it themselves back in 60 A.D. This is how wealthy and affluent the uh, city, those that lived in the city of, uh, of uh, Laodicea were. They were known for their eye salve. There was a powder that they would make that they would ship in tablets all, all over the empire. And what they do when they got the tablets is they would grind it down, put some water with it, and it would become a salve. And they would put it on eyes of people that had problems with sight. And they believed that it had some type of healing power in it. And they made money hand over fist, selling that eye salve and the black wool that they had there. It was such a community, it was a banking, it was a banking center. I mean, it was the Wall Street of that particular part of the world. It was Wall Street. People made money hand over fist. They had banking centers there. People would store their gold and their wealth and their riches there. I mean, this is the city of, Philadelphia, of, of Laodicea. Now, I had mentioned to you about what happens to a church that if, you, if the church is planted within a culture or a community and the church is either going to stand as a thermometer or a thermostat. A thermometer becomes the environment. A thermostat sets the environment. Guess what happened to the church at Laodicea and the Christians that are there? They act more like their culture rather than live against it. And so we're going to see some things about the city of Laodicea that these Christians in the first century had a problem with. The church at Philadelphia was known as the church with the open door. The church at Laodicea, if you wanted to put a name on them, they were the church with the closed door. Or there's another term that has been applied to the church at Laodicea. For they were known also as sickening society as far as their spiritualness was concerned. So, Lord willing, Wednesday night we'll talk about the church at Laodicea. And we'll talk about the problems they had, ways that we can avoid it. But remember, in the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, what does it say that Jesus told them? I stand at the door and knock. Now how soon was Jesus coming to bring the test? Soon. Quickly. 
It's about to happen. When he mentions those words, he's not talking about my time. He's talking about them and their time. And isn't it interesting that we already see Jesus knocking at the door of the church at Laodicea. I find that interesting because I thought Jesus had enough power just to kick the door in. But Jesus doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't kick the door in on our lives. What does he do? Just knocks. Just knocks. 